on the fence on if men should be more vulnerable in intimacy because it's been my experience that being vulnerable opens you up for a lot of ridicule. You can't be vulnerable. You can't show your weaknesses. You can't show the cracks in your foundation. They don't want to see that. They say they want to see that, but they don't want to see that. Lovers and friends. What's up, lovers and friends? Boy, oh boy, am I happy that you're here. My name is Shan Boudram, and I'm a sexologist who's been working as a public figure educator for 15 years. I've talked about sex and relationships everywhere, from The View to Playboy, from YouTube to Netflix, but this right here, this is my very first podcast. For the first time in my career, here and only here, I'm going to be combining my educational backgrounds in sexology, psychology, and journalism to deep dive into all things intimacy, which I define as anything under the umbrella of sex, relationships, and attachments. All the shit that you know I care about so deeply, and so do you. That's why we're here in this space together. Every week, I, Shamboodram, intimacy expert and sexologist, will bring you real knowledge from research and the lived experiences of my guests. Today's guests are Ab and Preach, so that you can improve your intimate life. Today, we are tackling the question, should men be more emotionally vulnerable? especially with their romantic partners. Is that really what you want? A man who talks about his feelings all the time? No, right? Lovers and friends. friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. In 2019, Abbott and Preach, who are cultural commentators with over 1.5 million subscribers, asked me to contribute to a piece they were making titled, Do We Actually Want Vulnerable Men? Now, as someone who has arguably made a career out of being vulnerable online for a living, I thought to myself, there's a lot I can contribute to this. So of course, I will add in my, what I thought at the time, shiny two cents. Because I thought what you might be thinking, the answer to that question is obviously, yes, we want more vulnerable men. Obviously, yes, men should be more vulnerable. And if you agree with that sentiment, you might be making the same mistake that I made two years ago that actually got me dragged in the comment section of a video that I might add amassed over 1.2 million views. So what specifically are the mistakes that I made in this video that I'm trying to rewrite today with this episode? For one, I oversimplified and thus unintentionally minimized a very complex topic that deserves more than a knee-jerk response based solely on my personal success with vulnerability. Secondly, I supported my arguments with unsubstantiated claims about the benefits of men being more open as the rule, not the exception in their relationships. But you know what? In the spirit of being open, instead of me summarizing and glossing over my mistakes, let's relive them together. And sometimes I often feel like men's emotions are almost fetishized. Well, I think it probably would exist on both ends, right? Like there's going to be times that we all enjoy or delight in someone's pain if it's directed in a way that makes us feel better about ourselves. Yeah, that's me giving that good old-fashioned all lives matter energy. And in case you're unfamiliar with what I mean by that, I'm going to tag in at Intimacy with Maya, who is an intimacy educator and doctoral student passionate about Black and queer experiences. All Lives Matter is a slogan that was created in direct response to the Black Lives Matter movement, a movement concerned with the specific violence that is inflicted against Black people simply because they are Black. 
So the All Lives Matter slogan served to sidestep and silence conversations about and remedies for these issues by saying, oh, well, everyone can theoretically experience violence and ending the conversation there. So one could say if you're giving All Lives Matter energy, you're not interested in exploring how a person's experience is particular to them as an individual or as a person with particular identities. And therefore, you prevent the conversation from going any further. I also said this incomplete statement. This is a straight facts. Your life expectancy decreases the less emotional outlets that you have, unless you express yourself, less outlets you have for healthy expression of stress. I say incomplete because that sentence only tells a tiny fraction of the story. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever heard this rumor before that men die earlier because they don't cry as often as women. Well, I heard that fact. And rather than trying to back it up, I just went around repeating it. So when I actually did my research, here's what I found. Studies show that men often die earlier than women because the Y chromosome tends to develop mutations more often than X chromosomes. Men take bigger risks and have more dangerous jobs. Men tend to avoid doctors. And lastly, men have a higher suicide rate than cis women. All right, one more final incorrect thing that I said in the Abba and Preach video. I said that men need to challenge themselves to be more vulnerable because it makes for a healthier relationship. And that's the real part that I'm not all that entirely sure about anymore. Which circles us back to the episode title. Do we actually want vulnerable men? Because I think in order to answer that question, we have to address the question before it that I don't see enough people discussing. What work have we done as a society and as individuals to create relationship dynamics where men are safe to be more vulnerable? Not just, again, within the moment, but within the dynamic overall. So I was having a conversation with my friend, Hey Friend Hey, who is a wellness queen that's done decades of work in dismantling outdated societal norms, especially in the vein of emotional expressiveness. And even Fran admitted that opening herself up to her male partner's vulnerability was more difficult than she anticipated. So I have a partner who's sensitive and loves to communicate about everything. And I found myself having to face a... I guess my own thoughts on masculinity because there were things about how sensitive he was and how much he wanted to discuss stuff that like felt, um, I don't know what the right word would be, but it was like, dude, you would almost expect men to have that more on lock or at least how uh, how we expect masculinity to feel like and look like. I was so used to men that would shut down or would just go handle it themselves, whatever that looked like, without me even knowing if they had a process, what the process was. But what I did know was that I didn't have to deal with it. But the dude I'm with now is a street dude who loves to talk about his feelings. Was it a turn off in the beginning? I won't say it was a turn off, but it was like an adjustment for me. Because I caught, the good thing is that I was onto myself. I was like, why is this irritating you so much? That I'm like, oh, okay. Let's clean that up right quick, (laughs) which has been awesome. And that's why I thought this topic deserved a redo. Because while I think we all do have the same goal of creating a world where men can open up to their romantic partners, because I genuinely believe that in order for people to know how to love you, they need to know what hurts you. But also, I do think we all need more understanding on why the best route to get there isn't to hit men with the Nike slogan. Do it! Just Do it! Interestingly, when I was prepping to do this episode, I googled, how do I help men be more vulnerable? And most of the articles were about steps men can take and what books men should read. Instead, 
I would have liked to see more tips for recipients. And I would have also liked to see some articles that outline why men should be cautious with their vulnerability, given our current cultural bad habits. And by that, I mean people. We all got to work on not glorifying rubbing secrets, insecurities, and vulnerable omissions in people's faces when they rub us the wrong way. Definitely been turned off by a man who showed his vulnerable side. And I have even um, been that person that has um, encouraged a man to be vulnerable, all to then throw it in his face um, when things didn't go my way. Again, as someone who is vulnerable online as a way of life, I've come across countless comments where people and I'm going to say this, mainly women, collect and throw things that I voluntarily shared in raw moments back in my face. Now, because I've had way more examples of being vulnerable going really, really well for me than going sour, these violations of trust don't discourage me from opening up again. But for someone, especially those who are afraid of opening up to begin with, it very well could. And that's the angle that I wanted to take with this do-over episode where I invited back Aberyn Preach to shed more light on why men typically don't share their insecurities, fears, and secrets in their romantic relationships. But before we dive headfirst into this very intense interview, a word from our sponsors. Abba and Preach are a duo who make short form content that's been viewed over 375 million times on YouTube alone. In addition, they are street dancers, comedians, best friends, and on a personal note, fellow Canadians who I'm proud to call friends and excited for you to meet. Did you guys watch The Bachelor last season? No. Did we watch The Bachelor <laughs> any season? What kind of question? I don't know. It was the first time I actually ever watched it before. You want me to call as my I wife? said that. <laughs> well, let, that was the buzzword last season. What? what? Vulnerable. It was the like, it was the kale of that season. Like everybody was cooking it up. Like every, and the dude, he was leading with it of like, I just want somebody to be vulnerable. And then it became the trauma Olympics. Everybody who could say the saddest story, that person would get the rose that the night. The whole Bachelor is the dumbest show I've ever seen. It's a show about a man that is dating multiple women, and it's watched by women that hate man that is dating multiple women. I fucking hate that show. Ugh, but cringe. But on the Again. topic about the whole like that speaks to the idea that people think the more hurt you reveal the better it makes you look because they understand I'm sharing the worst story. Don't you feel special? Guys have never thought that. I've, 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 I don't know about you. Maybe I'm crazy. I've never gone to a girl. I'm like, if I tell her the most hurtful story, actually, you know what? I believe there's people out there who do that. No, I can definitely see that as a strong manipulation tactic yeah, boys. where you would go to somebody and tell them something terrible that happened to you for them to go, oh, yeah. I could see that because I, I can see how that's manipulative actually. Yeah. 100%. Even the whole idea of like, I need you to tell me that's also, you could definitely see that as a form of control. I got this. They may not even be consciously doing it, but they're accumulating power. You know, to be vulnerable people is to essentially show your weaknesses. To show, like, if I was to think about it in, like, a castle setting, I'm showing you where the walls would break easily if you hit. Yeah. And so if that. you ever want to attack, bitch, you invading easily. And I'm showing you this because I want to show you I trust you. But 100%, flip the tables, you're getting in anytime you want. You're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me. I'm giving you what it takes to hurt me deeply. Lay on me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I did a video on your YouTube channel a couple years ago now, which is fucking crazy to say. Yes, ma'am. And it was called um, Should Men Be Vulnerable? Yes. Mm -hmm. 
And at the time, your answer to that question, I feel like was sort of kind of. It was like, I don't know what to you. And at the end of the day, it can be weaponized against me. Yeah. So I guard it. I loved the point that you made in that for a lot of men, being vulnerable can feel like they've cheapened themselves in the same way that women may feel giving up sex too early can cheapen themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's plenty of women who can honestly say that they've slept with somebody and it's been used against them afterwards. The idea that they were open with their sexuality. And I think a lot of men can say the same things about their vulnerability. Um, so I think the general crux of the video was like, to, for people to understand, I think it's fantastic that this rhetoric was like, get vulnerable, man. Be more vulnerable. Yes. Get in touch. But people never really explore what happens to men when they do and what are the downsides. Because, yeah, listen, when I put out that video, there are so many men sharing stories about how traumatic experiences in their childhood were used against them in a random argument. We actually did a video recently on a lady who went on a podcast and she said, you know, I have a lot of problems with men. They're like, what happens? She's like, sometimes I get a little slick when I talk. They're like, what do you mean? I use their secrets against them. And it's like, what secret? You have to imagine how many people she harmed along the way. Mm-hmm. And you create those scars and then people build up those defense mechanisms. You know what's crazy is that story doesn't even sound abnormal to me. No. That's what I'm saying. And, that, and that's exactly that. Interestingly enough, a friend of mine just got into a breakup and called me this morning, was talking to me about it and said that they got in a terrible argument. And now she's trying to like reach back out, but he's gotten to a point where he's like, I'm so heartbroken by you. And then I was like, well, what is the worst thing you said in the argument? And at the beginning of the conversation, it was one thing, but towards the end, you're like, oh, yeah, that's what you said. It's a thing that women do. And I, th- I think it's a, th- they need, because women, because men are in a position of power most of the time, they need to put men back in their places. I feel like sometimes that's how they feel. So this is an interesting thing for me. Um, I think purely from an evolutionary, but also from a social standpoint, um, character assassination and gossip are primarily tools that women have used over centuries as a means to defend themselves. It's mm-hmm. why in workplaces, most women are bullied by other women. And only the mode is not violence or threats. It's character assassination. They use the information that they get very effectively. Uh, men have not shown that propensity through the studies to be as effective. I'm not saying that men have not done this or they don't. I'm saying that, one, women are more efficient at it because they learn better the same way men learn physical violence better. So I've read the study that men can be more emotional, surprisingly, based off of what people are not aware. They're more emotionally responsive. They just don't show it outwardly as much. Well, I can even equate that it's like men are more likely to commit suicide. Yes. And more likely to commit homicide after a breakup. Yes. Because of, it's an emotional reaction. Right. So um, when those words hit, it really hurts a lot more. It seems to dig deeper. Um, and so... I think those are the two things that we know. So my argument is not necessarily that men have not done this laser. I really believe that it probably does happen. Um, but it's more so that I think ladies are more effective at it and then men suffer more stronger consequences. And I can actually say too, because like it's what you take outside or tell to other people to mm. damage that person afterwards. Like the slander that goes beyond what happens amongst you and I in the argument. And me saying to him, like me telling my friend, for example, like, oh, and you can't even believe like, he fucked me on the second date, what a whore, would not have an impact on that person's reputation. Yeah. But if I said- He's he afraid cried, of the dark. Yes. That's a real thing. Mm. I have a friend who's afraid of the dark. all the time. He, he, he got so hurt when she told other people that he was afraid of the dark. Because it's something that he's had to live with for so long. And it threatened his masculinity. Because mm-hmm. it's such a shameful thing. It doesn't seem like a big, he's afraid of the dark, who cares? But for him to have that kind of fear frightened him. And it frightened that other people would knew his weakness. So- that's, that's, it doesn't seem big, but for dudes, you'll talk about it. They'll remember it for the rest of their lives. My friends, people I consider my friends, and they're like, yo, you don't, you don't say shit. I'm like, no, I don't. On top of that, my parents, it's not just my parents, there's a lot of immigrant parents. 
that's how they raise their kids. The way they're going to teach their kids is by using things against them. They're going to use that. They're going try to try to make you go to school and motivate you to go to school by yelling you about, about something that you're doing or any project that you have. Which, which is why they hide your life. So you, you hide always, your life. Of course. You hide your life because everything had, they use against you. We had a big show, big, big show that we had, a comedy show. And it was 28,000 people outside. Six months before the show, my mom was asking me when I was going back to school. Mm-hmm. To this day, I didn't tell her that I was doing this. She knows now because, well, she sees my face in the, in the city everywhere, billboards and shit. But I didn't tell her. I don't tell to the, To this day, I don't tell her stuff. My sister does. Mm-hmm. She tells her stuff, but... Is that because you're afraid she's going to use it against you? Or no. you just learned that? My, my, yeah, she's going to... That's, that's how they... I, this is... this is. I made a promise. To my, I'm like, I'm never telling you shit ever again. The more information that people have, the more ammunition, ammunition that you give them to shoot you. I ain't going to give you ammunition. I'm going to keep that for me. But then you also give them more tools and knowledge to love you better. No. So, yes, you do. Sure. But you're going to use that against <laughs> me when, whenever you're going to pop off. Yeah. You're, you're gonna, you can use yeah, that against Yeah, but like arguably, you probably spend, in a good relationship, maximum 20% of the time in conflict and 80% of the time in happiness and harmoniousness. Yeah, but so, when, when I, it's just because I know how I am. I'm doing that to protect me. It's ain't about you. It's about me. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you're spend, depriving yourself from being loved and informing that person how to love you 80% of the time when I'm things are good. okay with that. Because that one time that you're going to use that shit against me, that's going to hurt even more. Mm. I'm, I'm, there's no going, there's, there's some shit that you're going to use. If you, there's some shit that you use against me, there's no going back from that. But do you, like, you're married now. So does, do you feel like you're, are you not married? Like yes, but I don't life? understand. Oh, what I'm saying is there's, there's a part two to that. Yeah, so yeah. I was, was going to keep talking. Oh, <laughs> well, you're married now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gave me a look like, bitch. Um, no, I was but, like, keep on going. <laughs> you're married now. So do you feel like you have been able to find a person in this world that you're like, I can be safe to share all of my inner thoughts, feelings, and fears with you? She's the person that I share the most of things with, mm. but I don't share everything. Would you consider yourself to be vulnerable around her? Yeah. Much more than anybody else. Mm. You know, I'm much more than anybody else. Definitely. Because I think I made that video with you guys years ago. And I, it's one of those things that is almost like immediately as soon as it came out, I realized how wrong I was. And then even in reflection of watching it back now, I realized how wrong I was. Because when you give advice without insight and without an acknowledgement of the reality for people, you're just, it's not helpful. And it's, if anything, it's, it's hurtful. hurtful. Yeah, because it yeah. minimizes what they're going through. And it doesn't give, because you can, I'm like, this is a solution. That's it. But it's like you don't understand the depth of my issue, and you've like it's like when people talk about like men's suicide. If you guys are just more vulnerable, it's like ooh, do not reduce men's issues to some simple thing that you can fix with just talking about your emotions. Yeah, it's way more complex than that. And I find that oversimplicity of men's issues to just be like, well, you know, feminism's got all the tools for you. It it, it makes men more resentful. Mm-hmm. It makes them more resentful because we know how deep the problems go. We suffer from it. We suffer oftentimes in silence, and it's almost antagonizing. It's belittling. It's condescending. For someone to say stuff like that. I get so flustered. when be like, well, feminism's got all the... T- oh, I hate that so yeah. much. I hate that. Yeah. Because even though I can appreciate feminism and I'm grateful for it, say it's part of the solution. I Okay. But don't just say it's that. Mm. So that's that's one thing. It's more complex than that. Yeah. We just have to talk about it. And that's all. Okay. And then being wrong is you know, whatever. You People are wrong. It's all good. Yeah. Being able to talk about it and being open. 
There's so much. Be- the, the problematic is not if you talk about something and you're wrong. If you acknowledge that you're wrong, okay, then we have a conversation. That's cool. Yeah. But it's so, there's so many people that are just really don't want to be wrong and are stuck in that, mm. that they don't want to have further more discussed. No, you're, and, that, and that's the problem. Being wrong, whatever. Do you think that um, women fetishize men's vulnerability? Yes, and they don't even know what the fuck they're talking about because they think it's going to be all cute and everything and stuff. But they, And that's the thing is that they think, they have this idea of, oh, yeah, he's vulnerable. He's, he, he cried in my arm. It was so cute. Like, he was crying, and I was, like, holding him. And then we spent the night, he just bawled, and he was able to get it out. Yeah, but if he does that every day, you're going to be like, bitch, stop crying. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to like it every day. But if that's how he feels, that's how he feels. So you just think it's going to be nice and cute, but it's not. It ain't. It's a lie. How many times have you shared something with a woman, and she goes, aw, and you feel disgusting afterwards. <laughs> I, I, instant regret. Instant regret. Like, I just shared this and you think it's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and it just makes me like, but, 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 I that, that, fucked that, that, up. Hold on. Say that again because people don't even grasp what the fuck is Nah, it's like I'm talking about pain and you think that shit's that cute. That shit's cute. What the fuck because it's like I, I, I Because it's a badge of honor. It's like I let you yes. in. Oh. I don't let other women in. And I'm just like, damn, you yeah. already betrayed it. You already betrayed it. I didn't I didn't come here to make you feel good at the moment. I got something yes. on my chest and you made it about you. Yeah, I, I I just This is why I don't invite girls when we do the guy, guys talk. So a lot of women want their partner to be more vulnerable. So if they're in a heterosexual relationship, a they want A lot of women think. A lot of women think. But I mean that's true. Here's the thing. That's true. Because I'm going to be honest well, with you. Well, that's with everything else, the sliding scale. So you could yes. say a lot of men want their uh, women partners to be more sexual, but then I could say think because yes, for you, her, being sexual might 100%. mean inviting. Obama, yes, you can. Yes. You can definitely say that. Yeah, think. of course. Yes, you can. But at the end of the day, you would validate and say, you know what? Yes, you probably understand what you want to a degree. But yeah, if that person came and said like, oh, like I want to strap you, that may not be the kind of sexuality they were looking for out of their out of their mm-hmm. female partner. But the point I'm saying is that they do want it. Again, to your point, maybe they don't understand what male vulnerability looks like and they don't understand male vulnerability, period. But even if they don't, what tips would you say to them? It's like, okay, here's how you can give your partner the space to even be that. Not necessarily with you, but just be that period. Take it just like if it was a woman, as a man asking for sex for a woman. Don't ask for it. Give her space for her to be that. Give her space for her to give it to you. Right? And we'll give it to you. She's gonna give she's gonna give the pum pum when she wants to. Well, the guy's gonna give the vulnerability when when, he, when he's gonna want. And maybe sometimes he's not gonna want. That's that. I hope you're I hope you're with the dude because of other reasons than I want him to be vulnerable. I, I hope it's other things than that, right? But give him space. You wanna get don't 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 pressure him like some man pressure women into having sex. Yeah. Patience is really important. And uh patience doesn't just mean it's gonna take a long time. It also means understanding that the more you try to bring it up, the more we become reluctant. Mm. And it becomes a pressure in our own head to have to do something that we don't feel we're ready to do. It's okay to bring it up. Talk about it. But listen, we've been dating for some time, and I feel like there's certain things that maybe you've gone through that you're not comfortable. Maybe not now. But if there ever comes a point where you feel like you need to talk, I'm here. And also another thing you do, you can lead by example. If you feel like you're somebody who's comfortable being vulnerable, share that. Not so they can share back in return, 
But just be like, this is what I'm going through. And I, you're the only person I feel like I can talk to. That'll make me feel like, okay, she really trusts me. And she's let me see what that, maybe I'll re- reciprocate at some point. But everything in its own time. What, what is comical about what is being said? What is comical is because is when, when you said, do it not because you want him to do it. Because some people are going to be like, no, no, I don't want, I open it up. I, I open up not because I want you to open up. But then they're going to have a beef and they're going to be like, after all I opened up. It's like, so so you had it in the back of your mind all this time. Yeah. You know, and I, I, just, I was just thinking about that. And that's what made me chuckle because some people don't even know they say it. No, I'm not doing that because of that. And then when some shit goes down, they bring it up. That all that they did. So you did that and you were expecting me to do something. Mm-hmm. No, if you want to open up, open up because you got to open up, but don't do it. anyways. And also another thing is, Someone not necessarily opening up about whatever deep traumas that they have may not be a reflection of the fact that they're not serious about you. It just may be a reflection of how deep that hurt is. It could take years. And if you're not willing to wait that or to find that out, that's okay. I'm not mad at you. But understand, everything in its own time, and it's not always a reflection of some broken thing. Sometimes I feel like this is like, I feel like sometimes people stress things because they hear it about it online. If he's not vulnerable with you, your relationship will not go anywhere. That's not true. Mm. You can love each other. You can be supportive of each other. You can be there for each other when it's difficult, you know? And you guys can go a long time together. And it may take 10 years before you find out I was molested as a child. Mm. And that's okay. I find sometimes women put way too much pressure on themselves to hear things that they think will progress a relationship. It's not that deep sometimes. I was way less likely to open up to women in my life when they were like segmenting everything and be like, all right, by now we should have opened up. It's like, no, you don't know what I've been through. Mm -hmm. You don't know how many times it's been used against me. You have no idea. So I'm I'm telling you to chill. And now that you've brought it up, it makes me not want to talk about it even more. And it's starting to really piss me off. I think there's a really big difference too in what you said between wanting it for somebody because it's healthy to have, and can we agree on that? It's healthy to have a person in this world that you can hear the parts of you that you're afraid to voice set out there in the space and have somebody accept you for it. I agree. A person. But instead of it being like, do it to me, it's, is there a space where you can do this and can we find this together? Because men groups is a huge thing Yes. that a lot of men don't have. Mm-hmm. And so rather than if you have a partner who's not comfortable going there with you, rather than trying to pressure them to do that with you, helping them to find a space where it, it does feel more natural. Sure. Uh, I would say I'm not mad at that suggestion. I think it's a great one. But sometimes it can, that even that could feel like a proxy for like, let me in. So I think if you bring it up in a, in, in a nice way, I'm not mad at it. Bring it up once, but don't badger the person. Because if there's one thing we hate more than people trying to pressure us into opening up is, is, is nagging. To your point, vulnerability, like you can talk about it from a historical standpoint that for women, it's more natural because it's a skill that we have honed and has been passed down through the genes because of that. But also it's about the time that you spend here on earth. It's the quizzes you take, the books you read, the podcasts you listen to, the adult conversations that you tune into because you're putting yourself in a position to learn how to do these things. And oftentimes men aren't encouraged to be in those spaces like, or ashamed if they're reading a self-help book on the subway. And so is there something to say about the entire culture needing to shift? It's not that there aren't these spaces that do exist. We just don't broadcast them. And um I think one reason that men traditionally seek other men for these kind of scenarios is that if they're going to appear weak, they don't want to do it in front of women they don't know very well or that women that they don't trust or even women that they feel like they need to be manly in front of, right? Because 
when you show that vulnerability for some ladies, whether they like it or not, they internalize that as weakness. And we all got stories. I mean, stories on stories. Whereas I think if you share it in these male-only spaces, there's not as much reason for men to use those secrets against you, nor is it a tactic we normally employ between each other, generally speaking. So that's pretty much the gist of my... Do you think, though, that it's a weed-out factor, though? So if you're a man and you share parts of yourself, and one, the person can't handle it or has an immature response to it or awes it, and they do something, is that a weed-out factor for you to say, okay, well, I can't continue to be with you. So rather than me keeping my guard up and mm -hmm. not sharing and not revealing that part of myself and then doing it and then being disappointed by the fact mm -hmm. that you can't manage it, yeah. is it better just to do it up front? Vulnerability doesn't have to be their deepest secret. It can just be even something like, man, when you didn't text me back, it bothered me. Like you took an entire day to respond to say whether or not you wanted to see me or not. And that made me feel like, am I even a priority to you? That's a form of vulnerability. Sure, sure. I, I think sharing your emotions in that way, I think can be used against you and can maybe make, but I think it's not as deep as some of the other stuff that we're talking about. But I do think that would be healthy and I would agree somebody should be doing that. I think you should always be talking about that. If you have an issue with someone you're dating and they're doing something that's hurtful to you, yes, I think you should be Talk able to about talk about it. that. It is a form of vulnerability, I agree. I think it's a fascinating thing is that we have this idea, to your point, people have an idea when they hear this word of what they want that to look like, but you don't have control over what that is for somebody. And sometimes vulnerability means me telling you the things that's going to make you uncomfortable too. Mm -hmm. But the thing, I guess we're talking about vulnerability in terms of the things that you've experienced and the things that have hurt you in the past, but it, it does speak to what's happening between the two people in the now. And so when people say vulnerability is the new sexy, which... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Even, even coming up with like. No, 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 mais non, ben non, tabarnak. Là, tu vois, là, c'est ce qui arrive, là. Le Chris, juste ça, just, ça just, me fait changer de langage. No. Pas capable. No, no. Can we just take a second? Appreciate. C'est fucking. But that, that is the problem. Just that slogan. Tabarnak. Vulnerability is the new sexy. Do you understand? Like, like how it's commercialized people's pain. I'll cut you off. So you're saying vulnerability is a new sexy that some people say that? Some people say that, okay. right? But I think that we're defining vulnerability in terms of let me share my deepest secret with you. What some people are just asking for is tell me how you feel right now because that's even an issue in relationships where I don't know how you are reacting to what I am doing to you. You're just shutting down. You're not talking. You're not texting back. You're not communicating with me. So they're asking for vulnerability, I guess, in that specific siloed way. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you, I never interpreted it that way because generally when women have asked me to be more vulnerable, it's always been in the context of sharing deeper things that I yeah. wouldn't share with others. That's mm. always been the context. People, if they want that, they just say, communicate what you feel. But sometimes, They wouldn't use the word vulnerable generally. But sometimes you communicate what you feel and they don't believe you. Even when you say, I don't know how to say it, or you voice the fact that you don't have the words to say it, they're going to think you're hiding out. I'm out of options right now. But if that's the thing is if you repeatedly have an I don't know response to things, especially when it comes to your feelings, that shows that's an area that you need to learn the language to describe how you feel. Or not now. On my own terms, I'll learn when I'll feel like it's really a problem. But, you know, I want to know. Oh, again, it's about you. All right. I get it. I understand that it might be a problem to you, but sometimes I didn't ask I, yeah, sometimes I'm not, and then I ask myself that question. Yeah. And it's probably a qu good question. It's probably a good area that I should, I should ask myself the question. But, but I on my own terms. On my own terms. I 
Ah, thank you, Abba and Preach, for coming through and sharing your perspective on this topic. If you want more Abba and you want more Preach, and I know you do, you can find them on their YouTube channel or on Instagram at Abba, A-B-A-N, Preach, P-R-E-A-C-H. It's Peach, but with an R in it. All right, let's bring this bad boy home. I am bringing in two people to reflect on this episode with me. And listen, if you are listening right now and you have a million thoughts and things that you want to say and get out, just know that everybody who I had on next felt the exact same way. We actually taped this segment for 40 minutes and I had to really chop it down because it got really heated at some points. And I think that's a good thing. I didn't leave it in there because it wasn't productive for all of you, but I was I wanted to just share that as a note because if afterwards you're talking about this with your own lovers and friends and things get a little spicy, just give some breathing room and some grace because it is a topic that we're all getting adjusted to. And I think that's the point of this episode. All right, without further ado, I want to introduce you to the two people that I brought on to reflect on this with. And if you are a fan of Jared and I's, then you are no stranger to this person who is the perfect person to talk about vulnerability with. JD Justin Davis is one third of the hosts of Enjoy the Podcast, as well as the host of his own podcast called Who Can Relate, which focuses on topics of self-improvement, wellness, and heavily promotes male vulnerability. I also brought on my sister, Lauren, to join this conversation because as a mom of a 12-year-old boy, this topic is near and dear to her heart. The reason I invited the two of you on, I'm going to say my assumptions, which always helps to start conversations I've heard. Um, and <laughs> you'll tell me if this is reflective of your experience. Okay. So I invited Lauren on because we are the offspring of a man who I would argue is very not vulnerable. Correct. And you are married to somebody who I would argue is not very vulnerable. Correct. JD, I brought you here because you are captain vulnerability. I am president of vulnerability for men club. Yes. So my assumptions were I right. I try to be. Yeah, you were. Applause, yeah. um, sound effect right here. Okay, so you guys both listened to the previous segment, correct? Like, I guess the immediate reflection was, I understand it. And I've never actually looked at it that way in a sense of um, vulnerability could have could have like a weaponizing impact and how women historically have utilized vulnerability as a way to yield power in a society where they just didn't have as much. So I think that that was eye-opening for me and it made a lot of sense. I think though at the same time, there was this like, hey, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to, it's not necessarily that I'm looking to hear about like all your childhood traumas, I'm more just interested in knowing that I'm having a conversation with a real life person, with a whole person, not just a robot who doesn't feel. Right. (laughs) Who everything's perfect. Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I have nothing's, nothing upsets me. Mm -hmm. Which that is your Brian Boudram voice. That's that is my Brian Boudram voice. (laughs) Everything's fine. No. Why should I care? I don't mind. Doesn't matter. Come Brian, stay, I, I go. love you, Brian. Whatever. I love, we I, love our I, I dad. That's Brian. the thing we're going to actually you know, discuss is that we <laughs> love our dad. I have a great relationship with my dad. Yeah. Never in the history of my life have I ever heard my dad say to anyone, what do you think I should do? Mm. Never in the history of my dad's life have I ever heard him say, like, I am really hurt right now and I need help. I've heard him acknowledge before that things have hurt and bothered him. But I think that that's more so been in like a, here's why you should feel bad versus here's why I feel bad. See, but I have had that moment with dad. And like, I cling to that one moment whereby I'm like, I no longer believe the things that you just say. I now pivot back to what I know you feel based on your actions and based on that moment 
of vulnerability where you did ask for help. Mm -hmm. You did ask for someone. Mm -hmm. Did you feel in that moment and then from then on a sense of just closeness to him, a stronger bond, more of a a deeper connection? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, people providing insights into their, their, the chinks in their armor or their weaknesses or their insecurities lets someone else know that okay, like I can believe you. And that's why I think with the Abba and Preach thing, you know, it's it's all reference point at the end of the day. I don't know their history with women. I don't know their history with just expressing vulnerability to anyone. But if one of the first things come that comes to mind is weaponizing it against me, I'm like, oh, wow. Like it tells me about where you've been with the relationship with vulnerability. Because for me, anytime I've been vulnerable, it's made my relationship with that person that much stronger. When I hear men especially, relate vulnerability right with weakness, it drives me crazy, like literally crazy. And, and, and I get it, right? At the end of the day, it's as men, we are taught to man up, not cry, don't have emotion, everything's fine, I'll be okay. But in reality, we are not robots. In reality, we do care. We do have a heart. We do have feelings. We just are shitty at tapping into them. But to me, my idea is to normalize vulnerability for men in the sense of understanding that it's not weakness, it's actually bravery. It takes strength to own how you feel in your dad's case and be all guards down saying, you know what, I don't have it together at this particular moment and I need help. That's bravery, that's strength. Now he also used his discernment, whether consciously or subconsciously in that moment, knowing this is my daughter, she's not gonna use this to weaponize me, which is a big part of it, right? If men are like, okay, I'll just be vulnerable to everyone. No, no, use your discernment and just choose wisely. But at the end of the day, the only, in my opinion, the only way you're going to have a deep, true bond, and if it comes to a romantic setting, a successful, on both ends, reciprocated relationship is with vulnerability. I agree and I disagree. And I think that's really what brought me to this episode to begin with, because the reason I did this with them is two years ago, they sat down to talk to me about male vulnerability. And I said a lot of what you just said. You can't have a deep bond without it. It's extremely important. Men need to do it. I got torn apart in the comment section. And the reason I got torn apart is that I oversimplified a very complex topic. And when we do that, it's extremely dismissive. And also we're not acknowledging that a big part of male vulnerability comes with action requirements from people who are not identifying as men. So we put all the pressure on men to say, be more open, be more vulnerable, be be more raw, share your feelings. But then we're not giving education and talking points for the people who are the receiving end. Or maybe even a safe space. If you're with the right person who can provide all the above. Let's not use the term right person though, because that's not true. We can't blame people for being products of the environment. The environment that we're in is not inviting towards genuinely vulnerable men in a way that is not tailored to someone else's desires. So I think, again, when we oversimplify the advice and say men be more vulnerable, we're just missing so much and we're essentially putting them in a position to potentially get hurt even more by showing their hurt. I hear you. And I also definitely agree with the fact that there's no right or wrong way, I guess. There's probably a better, but there's no like one size fits all. So that's why I just think at the end of the day, if you're in a relationship, romantic relationship, we'll roll with this. If I don't feel safe in, in order to confide in you with my deepest, darkest vulnerabilities and secrets and personal things that I'm insecure about, then I don't think I can ever truly fully give you me, which means we're not going to have the deepest bond that we possibly could have. 
but I guess it's subjective. Like, you know, like when we talk about level of vulnerability, again, I don't necessarily, you know, because your definition of like a deep level of vulnerability is exposing, you know, just a lot like deep, deep seated secrets. Well, or mm. for me, I'm kind of like, have your secrets. <laughs> like, have 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 a have a side of you that's that's just for you that's private, or that's for not sure. that's yeah. not that's not for me. Right. Um, but it, I even liked what Abba and Preach talked about in a terms of like, I agree, it doesn't have to be me. Like for me, I don't think that I don't care necessarily that Chris doesn't share all of those parts with me, but I want to know that you have an outlet yeah, somewhere. Sure. Right. I want to know that you have someone that you confide in in something. Cause I just, I do believe that that is healthy. I do believe that it is healthy to get out of your own head on certain things and to talk things through. Does it impinge on your ability to feel close with Chris? That's what I was going to ask too. Yeah. You know, in, in it's, I mean, and even when they were talking about selfish, like, yeah, it kind of is a bit selfish for me too, because sometimes when I'm being, I just want to know that I'm not alone. I just want to know that I'm not the only one, right? Like who feels like, hey, maybe we're effing up as parents. Like, selfishly, I kind of want you to feel that way too. And I want you to say that you feel that way. Um, or that, you know, or I'm the only one who feels insecure about things. And then I look at you when you're just like all together, super composed, no no insecurities, everything's going to work out. And then I start to feel isolated. I think too, because I was thinking like, let's say, I love that you said, as long as your husband has an outlet, yeah. right? In my case, if my wife is sharing things that I would like to know as far as vulnerability goes, which could bring us closer together, especially if it's something that I'm like, you really aren't struggling as a parent right now, but she's telling her male friend that, I'm I'm going to feel the way. Right. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I think, what Ab and Preach were arguing is that a lot of times the recipient of vulnerability isn't really there to help you. They've got a motive for what this yeah. information does, whether it's appease their own insecurities, whether sure. it's give them leverage against you, which is worst case scenario, uh, or whether it's just, I feel like I'm the only one I'm special. So I, with that in mind, I can acknowledge why the advice that I gave years ago was the wrong advice in that indiscernibly, not indiscernibly, but sort of rule of thumb is mm -hmm. be more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I can see why the world that we live now, the rule of thumb might be keep your cards close to your chest. Mm -hmm. And you may have to wait a really long time before you can get to that place of trusting somebody and acknowledging that even if you do, you might be with somebody who's never really experienced that before and may not react favorably. I was going to say to your point in terms of like putting the pressure on men to be vulnerable versus the other parties that need to make some kind of change to welcome that space. Like, I think that JD, through your brand and through your podcast, you've done a really great job of creating a space where people can be vulnerable, that it almost seems abnormal that people don't find that space or they don't find that um, ability because it just comes so natural to you to create that and to give that. Yeah, and like I said, it, it, for me, I've, I've never cried in front of a woman and she used that to weaponize you know, against me. I've, I've never been in a situation where I was perceived as weaker. And that's why to the point, I'm not on record saying like, be vulnerable, it'll be great. Like, and you can too. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in order to get the, the most out of whatever you're in, I personally believe vulnerability is a huge cornerstone piece in that process. I agree with that. And I think that the reason why this has to be more complex is that it doesn't just stop with that. There now has to be action points for everybody. Mm -hmm. And we have to acknowledge that we're not at the vulnerability as a new sexy place, which is a fun tagline. I know you don't live and die by right, that. Right, 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 yeah. But we're not there yet because for many people, it is not the new sexy. Just like I can't 
give the advice to women, be sexually liberated, have sex with anybody. It's not going to matter. We are making the changes. And I've been in this space now as a sex educator for, you know, 15 years. And I've seen dramatic strides Mm -hmm. that have changed in women's sexual liberation and freedom. It hasn't happened overnight and it's still not there, but us acknowledging that women do need this right to be more sexual and putting the work for it and asking for work in return. Not just the women carrying the brunt of the responsibility to make the change. We have to have action points and help. We have to have dialogues with men, which is why Me Too was so important. Sure. So I just think that if we had this conversation more holistically and everybody who's asking their partner to be more vulnerable has to ask what work they have done to prepare themselves to be able to combat all the conditioning that they have to not actually be a good partner to be vulnerable with. If you've done that work, then maybe you can make the argument that your partner has to. And if you haven't, maybe start with yourself. I respect that. 100% on your side in a sense that like, yes, the message isn't just for men. Like no different than if we're looking at this as this is something that would be beneficial to mankind to do this, then yeah, it's everyone else's work. Just like when I come from corporate and they're just like, you know, hire more black people. You have to create that environment where black people want to work. Exactly. That's your job, right? That is that is the job that we have. So the point is, is that what education can be provided to women or to others in terms of generating the space where they want their partners or men to show up more vulnerable? It sounds like a part two to me. Mm. I don't got the answer. I don't have the answer to that. <laughs> you know, we didn't even touch on this, Lauren, but you know, you have a son who this topic is so pertinent to. And it is such a close to home topic for you. And you have to navigate this, you know, every day. So it's not even just a matter of your female partners. It is societal. We're trying to create a space for an expression that would benefit everybody that has been suppressed for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And maybe that suppression served us and our societal needs back in the day, but things have changed now and it's time for us to change with it. But they think the us component is the most important thing. And if we're trying to be helpful, I think being minimal in our approach and our advice is anything but that. I think that's a lesson I learned for myself. Personally, I think that there is a part two to this episode. And if you agree with me, please hit me up and let me know. And speaking of hitting things, can we give a shout out to the heavy hitters in this episode who really came through off the top, Abba and Preach. Shout out to you. Once again, you can follow them on YouTube or on Instagram at Abba and Preach. Next, I got to give it up to my boy, my friend, um, one of Jared's best friends, JD, Justin Davis, who his podcast, Who Can Relate, is a beautiful example of the work that vulnerability can do in a man's life if he devotes himself to it and surrounds himself with people who are also devoted to doing the work. JD is also, again, on Jared's podcast called Enjoy the Podcast. And last, but for damn sure not least, and so much love to my sister, Lauren Morrison, who has made herself a safe space for so many people. She is a coach, specifically a executive coach, who really does invite people to be more vulnerable, especially within a career setting. You can learn more about Lauren's work at going to her website, maketheshiftcoach.com. Lastly, don't think for a second that I have forgotten about you. I want to get you on this podcast and I want us to connect more deeply. And if 
you feel yourself talking to your phone or to your car speaker while you're listening, bring that voice over here. If you follow my Instagram, Sham Booty, that's booty with a D, not with a T. That's where I post what episodes are coming up. And then I invite people to share their perspective so I can weave it in throughout the episode. Speaking of the episodes, we have so much more to come. This is only episode three, and I cannot begin to tell you what an honor it has been to get the feedback and the love that Lovers and Friends has gotten. Shout out to you and thank you to everybody who has already gone to Apple and subscribed to the podcast and furthermore given a five-star review. You think that that's like a nothing thing? That's like a game changer. I didn't know before I had, let me just rephrase. I thought it was a nothing thing and not until now do I realize how impactful and helpful it is for people to press that button and what that signifies and what opportunities that creates for a podcast. So if you have a couple seconds, please go and do that. But you have given more than enough time and more than enough of yourself. And I truly, truly value you. And I can't wait to talk next week. Bye. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends. Lovers and friends, yeah, and I said, lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said. Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Sham Boudram and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojiko, Two West Entertainment and Workhouse Media. Our mixing engineers are Brendan Burns and Marcus Hom. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher.